podcast promotion is one of the most challenging aspects of running a show for your business or organization or for yourself. Most of us don't love the thought of getting on social media and trumpeting how awesome our content is. And even if we are totally comfortable with that, actually doing it and how to do it is another kettle of fish entirely. But if it is worth creating, it is worth telling people about. And my guest today, Alexandra Cole, has a ton of insight about how to think about promoting your podcast in a way that feels good and works. We're talking about the difference between marketing and PR, when you should be planning your strategy, and how to approach the whole thing from a place of learning. And that's what we're talking about today on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. Alexandra, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's start with the first thing I'd like to know from you, which is what is one podcast that you wish existed, but to the best of your knowledge is not out there yet? Okay. So I have been thinking about this question and I don't think this exists. Maybe someone who is listening will end up correcting me, but I was thinking that I would really enjoy an investigative piece around Disney child stars. Because I don't think that does exist in that format. I know that there's a podcast that I forget the host name, but I know it's centered on like talking to child stars in general, but I'm very fascinated around the whole Disney pipeline. And I don't think I've seen or heard something like that in podcast form. That would be really interesting. I feel like I've seen content like that on YouTube. Right. I've seen it in visual, but I don't think I've heard it in that format. And so if anyone wants to run with that, just let me know when it happens. (laughs) <laughs> That's why I like asking this at the beginning of some of the shows, just like you put ideas out there so we get yeah. more cool content being developed. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I know I will never do it. So I'm happy for someone else to do that. I was like, well, I don't want to share something I might do because, you know, you got to be careful about that. But this would be cool. Please do that. Someone who's who's listening in the ether. <laughs> we all want more shows to listen to. You know, yeah. it's not all about creating the new shows. Exactly. So just a little background quickly. So we met because we were both working for a podcast and we were both involved in different areas of it, The High Wire Woman by Rosanna Berardi, which is a really great show. You should check it out. But yeah, I'd love to hear and I'd love for you to tell everyone a little bit about kind of what you do in podcast world and also about your own show, which is excellent. Yes. Thank you. Yes, I do a few different things. Whenever people ask me this question, I'm like, which direction are we going? Because I definitely have a few different areas that I focus on. But My paid work is I am a PR and marketing consultant for podcasters. And so what that can look like is either one-on-one consultation sessions, or I have some of my clients where I do monthly retainers and I work with them on an ongoing basis and more long-term. And I'm kind of in the nitty-gritty parts of it and actually doing the things for them. So that's my work work. And then my other work that I do is my podcast, The Pod Broads, where I interview women in the podcasting industry. And that is an extension of kind of what started it all. I actually really entered this industry as a learner first. Like I really spent a lot of time just studying podcasts for a while and listening to them and really taking in the different kinds of format and sounds and approaches and topics. And then I started a blog where I was highlighting women hosted podcasts. So I was recommending episodes each week for like a whole year on my podcast and was building my own social media platform around that and just kind of around this tenant of listening to women. 
And that's where my heart lies. And that's where everything stems from. And that's where everything comes back to. So whatever work I do and kind of money I make ends up going back into that mission. For a lot of people, I think, especially because it's such a new industry, kind of fall into podcasting. It's so cool that you really intentionally studied it and thought about it as a medium. What kind of led you to do that? Did you just hear your first podcast and you were like, oh, this is it. This is the thing. (laughs) How did that go for you? Oh, I love that question. I didn't think of wanting to enter the industry after first listening to it for the first time. So my first podcast, I think many people was Serial in 2014. And so that was what got me really into the medium as a listener. And from there, I had a few podcasts that I listened to. And it was during the time that I first moved to New York City. And so I always think back to that because I had one that was like very centered on like anxiety. And I was listening to it on the train and feeling less alone about my (laughs) extreme anxiety that I experienced for different reasons. So I always identified with it as this intimate space that many of us continuously say because that's what it is. And so it kind of is that connection that I would feel to the people that I was listening to. But it wasn't until I was in grad school that I really started to think about it as, oh, this is a medium I could actually do work in and that I really can see myself doing that. And it's funny because I have this memory of high school I want to say high school or college, honestly, time, as we know, is an illusion. And I have no concept of it anymore in terms of <laughs> the differentiation there. That's so true. <laughs> but it was it was somewhere in that time span. And I remember having this desire to go and record my grandparents speaking about their lives on like a little like, oh, people can't see what I'm doing with my hands right now. But a little old school, tiny recorder, yeah. not my phone, something like that I had. Yeah, one of those pen players, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. And I just wanted to record talking to them about pieces of their lives, like how they met, when they fell in love, pieces about my family's history. And so it wasn't exactly new to me, this desire to want to take record of audio, of people speaking, of stories being told. And so That was something that I do think was kind of in me for a long time, but I was very focused on print storytelling, like writing. And so my background as a writer and teaching writing is something that very much comes into the work that I continuously do and obviously transfers over to podcasting. But I would think I was very stuck on that aspect for a long time. And it wasn't until I was in grad school that, and I was starting to consume a lot more podcasts and a lot of them that were focused on what I like to call like nonlinear career paths and ones that make your parents go, are you sure when you say you want to pursue it? So I got to this point after having taught for so many years and working in the nonprofit sector, I've put so much of me into this world and into these other people's personal projects. I really want to explore that for myself. And so I had started to get so much value from these women's podcasts and they were all women hosted because I'm very much of the mindset. Yes, men can give great business advice and career life advice, but they can't speak to what that's like entering in as a woman because as much as we might not want it to be, that's a different experience. So I needed to hear from other women who were doing this, who were doing freelancing, who were building like businesses out of their podcasts, who were writers and who were changing careers later in life. And so that was what made it click. Oh, 
this is a medium that I can explore because I clearly love it. I clearly want to study it. And it, to me, feels like such an extension of the work that I'm already doing in terms of storytelling and writing and having a space where people can really connect and share free knowledge. That's one of my biggest things. There's so much free knowledge in podcasts right now. It's truly amazing to me and should be celebrated. And that's why I started my blog. I was like, other people need to hear these podcasts. Other people should be listening to these women. They're dope. (laughs) That's what made me start to be like, okay, this is something I want to do. It all just made sense. That's a fantastic origin story. And I love the kind of the place of almost academic and artistic integrity that you were coming from getting into this into, you know, the incredibly murky waters of internet marketing of all kinds. <laughs> so you've got like this bright and shining path into yeah. kind of a forest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I forgot to mention, I mean, this is a huge part of my story. I talk about it a lot. This was all very much during the time of the Me Too movement, too, and me coming to terms with my own experience with childhood sexual abuse. And I had been very quiet about it for like 17 years. And so it all coincided with me being like, we need to listen to women more. I need to take agency of my own story and be able to talk about it in a format that feels good for me because not everyone wants to share publicly and not everyone should have to share publicly about those experiences, but they should have space to share with a safe group of people and not have to be quiet about that. And I think that's also about the spoken element that comes with podcasting that you don't just get with writing. I think that was just an important piece for me as well, and that I've seen be important for other people. And so all of that is in there. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, because there's a real energetic or even maybe philosophical difference between writing something for the word that's meant to be consumed by reading than saying things out loud that's meant to be consumed by hearing. It's an interesting difference. Yeah. Really, really cool that you're thinking about that. And well, let's talk about one of maybe the things that you help people with. And I know yeah. you do well with your own shows and then the shows that you work with. And it's it's promoting the stuff that we create. It's so hard for people. I know how hard <laughs> it is now that we're trying to do it. <laughs> but what's your high level podcast promotion? How does it happen? How does it work? What do people need to be thinking about when they're planning to do it? Yeah. So there's so many pieces of promotion. So I'll just touch on a few that podcasters should be thinking about. But before I jump into that, I think that something that you and I were talking about prior to us hitting the record button is just that element of self-promoting mm, and that's true. how difficult it can be. Because realistically, you know, I think some of the people who might be listening to this episode are a team of one. And some of them might be someone who can afford to bring on someone to do this for them. And so those are two very different aspects. So one piece that I always like to touch on when I'm really talking to those people who are a team of one or a team of two and they really have to do a lot of that self-promoting is we can't divorce the emotional mental piece from the actual tangible advice because that's going to impact it. And I've spoken to so many people and have had clients where I've talked to about this where just that self-promotion piece is so uncomfortable for them and so hard for them. And a lot of people I work with are women. That's my core demographic. And I think something that We, as a general, I don't think this applies to everyone, but I do think it is generalized enough that there are enough women who identify with this, is the discouragement we've been had communicated to us time and time again at large of that we should feel bad or weird about self-promoting. And I'm so not about that. 
you just worked so hard on this piece of art. Let's call it what it is, this piece of art, this medium that you are sharing with people. You shouldn't feel weird about wanting people to hear it. We should be able to proudly talk about what we want people to hear. That's just an important brain switch that needs to happen sometimes that it's okay to self-promote. And especially if you're thinking about social media, every time you post, not everyone's seeing it. So you're going to need to do it a few times and definitely have a gauge of don't just spam people. Like I do think that's very important difference in line that you have to pay attention to, but just talking about it and sharing about it and like finding new ways to speak about it is okay. It's like, it's really okay to do that. I think that is a good insight because honestly, I mean, it can take, it takes a good hour or most of your lunch break to be like, okay, I'm going to write the tweet. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And now you're just saying, it's like, oh, but you know, most people didn't see it. So you're going to have to do it again. <laughs> it's like, oh no. <laughs> I mean, I think that there can be a freedom in that though. There's a frustration and a freedom in that. The frustration is that if you've spent a long time either putting together an idea for like a tweet thread or for an Instagram post or for a TikTok, and then only so many people see it. Oh, trust me, that is so crushing. I have been there. I am continuously there. It happens. <laughs> but there's also a freedom in knowing, okay, it hasn't hit everyone that I'm following this particular post. So it's okay for me to continuously like find new ways to share about my podcast or something like an event that I'm doing or some, my newsletter or something that you're trying to to talk about. I think when we're thinking in terms of general marketing, yeah, I know there's different touch points, but the most average one that I've been hearing lately is you got to hit someone with it seven times before they're even going to act on it. So people need to hear things multiple I times. I remember that one from business school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the realtor example. <laughs> right. And you know, that comes into play when we're thinking about actual podcast ads. And if you're going to do ad swaps or pay for ads in actual podcasts for your podcast. So yes, that's just one important piece that I like to touch on. I also think that we're thinking of expectation versus reality. That's kind of twofold because PR and marketing are not the same thing. They overlap sometimes, but especially with the PR bit, I think when you're talking about earned media, sometimes I think there's an expectation of oh, you should just be able to send pitches out, boom, 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 boom. And I guess you could do that. There are people who do that. I'm much more of a quality over quantity person. I would rather spend time researching and really getting a wonderful, meaningful relationship building pitch together, which sometimes takes more time than others, but it takes time to get to know someone's show to really be able to do that even quicker. But I'm much more, let's identify people who we almost are certain are going to say yes to this, or are at least going to be like the beginning of a relationship, because that's ultimately what this is about, is building relationships and not just spamming people. <laughs> no, I love that. Well, can you talk a little bit more about where you kind of draw the line for podcasts between the marketing of them and the PR for them? Because I think that's really an interesting way of kind of dividing those different tests. I mean, I know they're related and interrelated, but kind of high level, yeah. what what are those differences for you? Yeah, well, so in terms of marketing, the paid marketing piece is strictly marketing. So if you're going to pay for something, that's not earned media. Earned media is, you know, what that sounds like. You have earned the spot to be talked about. You're not paying for it. So I think there's a marketing piece that is very much paid. 
And then there's unpaid marketing that you can do in podcasting, and which also falls into the realm of earned media. And that's where we're talking about like podcast swaps and promo swaps. And so for anyone who doesn't know what that is, this is something you and I have kind of helped coordinate for our previous client. And that's when you and another podcast agree to some form of collaboration, whether it is posting each other's trailers on your feed or a full episode, or you're going to do a guest swap where you each invite the other person onto your podcast. And so what that does, that's a very big trust moment with your audience. It's an endorsement in a way. And so that's a huge piece of earned media. While at the same time, you're also marketing your podcast because that is the purpose. So you're getting it out to other new audiences. And so that's where it kind of overlaps. And then where it's just the way that I view very much like strictly PR is when you're just pitching to be a guest. So you're not doing guest swap, you're not doing that. And obviously, in as much it does end up marketing your podcast, but it's very much in the earned media realm where you're also building you as a thought leader and helping people get to know you and also being able to market whatever it is that you're working on. And in this case, we're talking about podcasts. So pitching yourself to be a guest and then also pitching to like newsletters or pitching to get onto podcast lists or to pitch maybe your hometown paper so that they'll write about the launch of your podcast. Things like that is very much more in the PR realm. And that's what a PR person is going to be working on primarily versus doing anything more so in like the paid marketing realm. Well, you just dropped like three really good ideas right there. I don't know if you noticed <laughs> how cool and exciting that sounded. <laughs> but, and here's a little side question. Are you by chance familiar with the peso model from Spin Sucks? Do you I am not. What is that? Tell me. You've got to check that out. It's the Spin Sucks podcast and the Spin Sucks company. It's about PR that isn't awful. Oh. So Spin Sucks, but they don't. And the peso model paid, <laughs> earned, shared, owned media. I think yeah. it sounds really in line with what you're doing. Yeah. Totally check that out. Cool. I will. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. And full disclosure, we produced the Spin Sucks podcast. Oh, dope. Janine Dietrich for ages. So nice. <laughs> she's fantastic. Listen to it. I love it. Let's flip it around now. So you've got a really good clarity and really interesting way of looking at, you know, this is the earned spaces and the marketing spaces that you can do, be promoting your podcast in and doing all this marketing work. What are some of the big mistakes that you see people making? when they're trying to do this? Is it maybe a wrong way of looking at it or wrong tactics to be using? What are kind of the big ones you want people to be avoiding? Yeah, okay, I have a couple. So one is very much related to audience. And I think that one big mistake that you can make is not being clear on who your audience is and who the audience of the person you're pitching is. So that's where a big disconnect comes. That's something that can immediately turn someone off if they can tell right away that you have no idea who their audience is. So you don't want to do that. I think many of us who have been podcasters for a while or who write about podcasts know intimately well the annoying pitches that you get in the DMs or your emails where they clearly have not even read anything about your podcast, which boggles me. It blows my mind. I don't understand. <laughs> I got invited to a show actually by someone who had done a recent just yesterday. It's just like, I'd love to talk about your new book. It's just like, I'm not an author. I have never written it. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mentioned my podcast where I interview women in the podcasting industry. It's in the title. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten a pitch for a man to be on my show or for someone who doesn't even have a podcast. Who And I'm like, <laughs> can you read? So please don't do that. That's like a big thing. And you would like to think it's not as common as it is. But there, 
are people who will just spam your inbox and not clearly intentionally think about who you are and why they're pitching you. And so that's just like a big one and one that can very quickly be rectified and made sure that is it is happening. So do your research first. So please don't pitch someone because you just saw their page for five seconds and you're like, oh, I want to be on it. That's very self-serving. And yes, there is a piece of this that is self-serving. That'd be stupid to say that it's not. But if you can approach it from a lens of how can this serve both of us, whether that's a writer, whether it's a podcaster, that's the realm that you should be working from. And in that, you should be vetting the people you're pitching and agreeing to be featured on as well. If you put a little thought into it, it's win-win. Because content yeah. creators need content and they need new sources of content and you, exactly. you know, want attention and, and to be promoted. Just spell name right. Get the names yeah. of the shows right. Get the basic themes right. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I'm developing like a checklist right now for podcasters who want to do pitching. And one of the things on that checklist is, did you spell the person's name correctly? Do you think that that isn't something that needs to be on there? But that is, I will triple check that before I send a pitch. It's a good call. Just little details like that is so important. You have to be very detail-oriented when you are sending these and thoughtful. And so if you don't, that's a big mistake that I see. Another one is really around social media and that marketing piece, the social media marketing piece of it. I can't tell you how many people I have spoken to who will just be like, I don't know what to do with it besides post about my new episode and post an audiogram. And I'm like, okay, so let's think about it like this. If you have a podcast, which you do, that's what we're talking about, and someone is subscribed to your podcast, they are going to get a notification that a new episode is out on their podcast listening app. So why would they follow you on social media if the only thing you're posting is that you have a new episode? That's the same information they're getting elsewhere. So the way that you want to think about your social media is... What additional value am I giving people for following me here that they're not already getting on the podcast, that they're not already getting on their podcast listening app? So that's so important. And we all have different bandwidth. That's really important to consider and something I always ask my clients, especially when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one consulting sessions. Something I need to know from them is I can give you all the advice and tactics in the world, but what do you actually have the bandwidth for? Because if you can't actually implement this right now, it's just going to overwhelm you and you're going to feel like you're failing. Once you can identify what your bandwidth is, how many social media platforms you can handle, which ones you actually enjoy being on, then we can talk about what are some things you can do on that. So for example, I have one, I'm like smiling right now because I was so happy to read her feedback after we had worked together. But one of my clients, her name is Pam Uzel. She hosts the podcast Art Heals All Wounds, which is a beautiful podcast where she talks with like different artists and the work that they're doing but on a community level is helping heal things. And just like, it's beautiful. But she told me that after we worked together, she was like, I used to hate Twitter and now it's her favorite place to be on the internet in terms of building connections with other podcasters and finding guests. And I was like, oh, I love that. She didn't like it because she didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. But once you get to know what to do with it, then it's a lot more clear. And so find other value points and find the core points of conversation that you have on the show and think of like, how can I build those out? Whether it's sharing some behind the scenes stuff on social media, whether it's shouting out other people in my genre or 
in my world that I also love what they're doing. How can I begin to build connections and help people in that way? And starting to smile because I always like to think of how can I just let myself be more me and like have fun and show people who I am because as we know with podcasting, since it's such an intimate setting, I think the more people can feel connected and get to know you, the more they support what you're doing and want to hear more. And so it's just kind of carving out those things that you feel comfortable sharing, but that can help people get more insight into just the project as a whole and everything that goes along with it. What a great ringing endorsement, taking someone who does not like being on Twitter, which I'm... <laughs> empathize with really strongly and just being like, oh yeah, no, this is a great place to be. That's a really great testimony. I know. I was like, Pam, I'm wizard. so thrilled. <laughs> I was so happy. I was thrilled that she now enjoys it, but I was just like, oh, that's wonderful. Yay. I know something you love to do is shine the spotlight a little bit. So who is someone who is doing a really good job in promotion that people can maybe look at and be inspired by? Oh my gosh, everyone who's listening needs to go follow Locatora Radio immediately on all social media platforms. It's co-hosted and co-produced by Mala Munoz and Yosefem, and they've also been on my podcast for interviews, and I first saw them speak at Work It in 2019 and have loved them ever since. But they are just so intentional about each seasonal launch. I've never seen any other podcast be. And they really like create a whole concept around it. So for example, their new season is Podcast Sarah's Next Door. And it's very inspired by bimbo culture, girl next door, kind of exploring these different facets of feminism. And they have these whole concept like photo shoots that they use for promotional images. It's like an evolution each season. So it's not the same thing every single time. I believe there's six seasons in now. And I just feel like they have this perfect melding of knowing how to play in their promotion and knowing how to build a conceptual almost world around each season so that they're bringing in new people, but also really nurturing the audience they already have. They very much, you can tell, know who their audience is. And they also do podcasts lives. They do shows, podcast parties, which they've had since the beginning. Obviously, there was a break period during the pandemic the first two years, and now they're getting to do some outside show ones in LA. And I think they do such a good job of cultivating community that way, which of course brings in more listeners and encourages listeners to be real fans of the show. And I think that that's an element that a lot of podcasters are like, how do we do this? I just think follow them, see the way they post, the way they speak about things, just the promotional images that they create, because it's just so different than a lot of podcasters. I feel like they are doing stuff that we might see more so in other creative mediums, like film or something in terms of the promotion. But as podcasters, yeah. we often forget the visual. Yeah. Because we are, it's an audio medium. So you're just like, yeah. oh, thank goodness, you know, I don't have to worry about the, the pictures, the graphics or the imagery, but it's, it's probably not actually true right? because we yeah. are still all visual people. Yeah. And I think it's so important to remember that every show has a different kind of audience. So every audience is going to require something different. But for them, they have clearly figured out what their audience responds to. And I think that's why it works, along with it just being creative as hell. <laughs> no, I mean, it really is one of the most important things. You know, up there, for especially for like B2B or companies, just having a goal for the podcast and knowing who you're actually going to be talking to 
and what they need from you or what they want from you is, is a really excellent thing to do. And then just on the idea of know who's going to be listening to this, a lot of the people who are listening to this show are in the initial stages of, you know, should my company have a podcast or my yeah. boss has just told me we need to have a podcast. What do I do? So, <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite. I absolutely love when someone calls me and they're just like, I've just had a podcast dumped on my desk. What now? <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Yeah. So from that perspective is when should somebody who's thinking about podcasting or has just started podcasting, when do you make that kind of promotional planning? When should you be deciding how to do PR, how to do marketing for the show? Should you get your sea legs first and just get some episodes out there? Or should you be like, no, we're going to do this from the ground up? But what would you recommend? Okay. I'm going to first recommend a perfect world. Okay. And then I'll speak to how... Reality. <laughs> exactly, to reality. So I think in like a perfect world, if you have a two-month lead time with that then you can get really clear on what your strategy and approach is going to be. You can get really clear on what the assets are going to look like, kind of like what we were just talking about with Locator Radio. Like you can get really clear on the images, the vibe, everything that you want to put out and in what order you want to put things out and who you might want to pitch in the beginning to either do set up collaborations instead of ad swaps and things like that. Now, in many cases, that is not what happens. <laughs> Uh, and clearly <laughs> you have worked in the world before. <laughs> so in yes, and so honestly, many of my clients end up bringing me on and they're like, we're, we're behind. I've had clients who have brought me on and they're like, okay, we're like a month in or two months in. And, and this is for a launch because doing PR for a launch is different than kind of like doing ongoing PR for a show that's already existing and might not be in the middle of like a series special or a new season or things like that. So not all is lost. If you can't get that lead time, it might make for a little more stressful timing, but it happens. Yeah. So if you can't do the two month lead time, if also, again, I want to speak to some of the people who are solo, solo podcasters who might be listening to this. And the reality is when you are doing it all by yourself, there are just certain things you can't prioritize. And I get that. And I'm with you on that. And I've been there. So I think if you can't prioritize thinking about the promotion, I don't want you to get bogged down in thinking about the promotion before you're even clear on what the show is going to be. So that's more important. Figure out what your show is going to be. And in that, when you're creating your show or getting set up for those first three to five episodes, you are going to be thinking about who this might be for. That also might change. And that's okay. <laughs> So experiment with who you think this might fit for. Make sure the show is as high quality as you can make it, because I think you also need to just be realistic about where your show might fit right now. I'm very much like shoot for the stars, but also be realistic, have a mix. And yeah, so when you're thinking about your promotion strategy, you also need to be thinking about the content that needs to be there so that you can effectively promote. And so that's, you know, figuring out a pipeline for your show notes for transcriptions and getting that stuff in there that is going to help you on like the SEO side and people being able to find you on Google and things like that. Yeah, no, we've talked a little bit. So, you know, I mean, in a perfect world, Start planning your PR as you start thinking, hey, we should have a podcast or hey, I should have a podcast. And, you know, and, and if it's not a perfect world, you know, go a little easier on yourself, experiment, think about who your audience is. And as you're creating content, be thinking about how you can be getting at people as part of the creation process. Would that be a, yes. an accurate summation? 
Yes, thank you. I appreciate that summary. (laughs) (laughs) You can see where sometimes I'm a writer first. I'm like, (laughs) I could have given you a really clear paragraph on this. I actually got to learn a lot from Jacqueline Schiff, who I spoke with a couple weeks ago, who is like an expert content repurposer. And she's like, no, you got to find the threads. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) Perfect. So we're coming to the end of our time here, and I want to be respectful of yours. But something you talked about at the beginning was so lovely in this, you know, learning approach to getting into the industry and getting into things. So what is next on your to learn list? What kind of areas are you going to be looking into next as things go along? Ooh, so right now I am already in the process of learning and I'm going to be experimenting with this. And then that is Pinterest. Mm. So I am super stoked about Pinterest. I have been learning about it via podcasts, obviously, for a a while now. And I finally got to a place where I have some of the time to extend towards it. So again, we're always coming back to what is feasible? What's our bandwidth? What can we actually do with our time? And I've definitely gotten to this point where I'm like, I really want to explore Pinterest for how that might convert to actual listens. And also, of course, use it to, you know, share about and promote my services and see how that might convert to actual people who need those services and want them and want to work with me. So those are kind of my two prongs right now. And I'm excited to see what happens. So that's been the last couple of weeks and I'm just going to keep going with it and continue to experiment and allow myself to mess up and see where it leads me. Well, maybe in a couple of months then you can come back and we can talk about Pinterest marketing for podcasts. That'd yeah, really hell cool. yeah. I will keep you updated on Please how do. it goes. <laughs> no, that's good. I remember years and years and years ago, I read a copy of the Pinfluence when Pinfluence was a lot newer. It was a great book. And I don't know how much the platform has changed since then, but yeah, you know, very cool. I think people use Pinterest with the intent to buy. They do. They 100% do. That's what I'm learning. And the audience is also, I can't remember the exact demographic. I was listening to a Jenna Kutcher episode. She talks a lot about Pinterest. She uses it a lot in her business, but she was speaking about some of the demographics of Pinterest and how it's very much a largely like female audience, largely, I want to say mid thirties, there's probably a bigger range, maybe like late twenties to like early forties or something is like the primary audience. And a lot of them are in a higher paying demographic and are on there to buy, as you said. And it's also a platform that wants to help you find what you're looking for so that you get off the site. And that's very different from other social media that wants to keep us there. And so I think that that is definitely an element that I want to explore because at the end of the day, if we're thinking in terms of podcasters, we want people to go to our podcast link and listen to our podcast and download it and subscribe. And so if we're just relying on these social media platforms that really want to keep you there and aren't necessarily going to push the content where you're like, hey, go to this other site. That's what I'm interested in. Really? I'm extremely excited to hear about the results of your learning <laughs> and experimentation there. And for everyone else who would like to listen to your podcast and check out your business and generally interact with you online, how and where can they do so? Yeah, so you can follow me on social media at Padraland. That's two D's. And I'm in many places, primarily Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. I kind of vacillate between which one I'm on more frequently because I am one person. And you can go to my website at www.padraland.com. And if you want to work with me, I have my services page and you can just fill out the form. We can do like a free 20 minute discovery call so I can learn more about what you're looking for and what service would be most helpful for you. And yeah, that's how we can get connected. 
Sounds great. And uh, also, when you are on Potterland.com, make sure to sign up for the newsletter, which is very cool. And you should Thank be you. receiving every month. So. Yeah, yeah. It comes out on the full moon every month. It's very women in podcasting centric. Shocker, I know. By the time I, I'm sure you didn't expect that after all of this. <laughs> <laughs> and and also keep them guessing alexander that's what you want to yeah, do keep, keep yeah, them guessing yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talk monthly intentions celebrations giving us time to step away from tracking time via our work weeks and more so by the moon cycle oh, so, i love that yeah. i love that this is extremely refreshing thank you so much for joining me today this has been a delight yeah thank you so much for having me it was wonderful to get to see you again and i so appreciate you having me on The Business Podcast Blueprint is hosted by me, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and it's created in collaboration with my business partner, Audra Casino. It's produced by Erwin and Jensen Galino. Notes are written by Hazel and LaFortune, and the show is managed by Darla Fields. If you like the show, you can help support us by sharing it with someone that you think will find it useful. Until next time. <laughs>